0: Folks, you know that call that we were expecting has come through, and I do have Michael Nevrodakis on the phone right now, so I'm going to interrupt what we're doing and get right to it. This is a call coming to us from Greece, from Athens, and I think Michael is right there. Michael, are you there? I am here. Okay, well, I'm glad that we connected, huh? Uh, how, how are you doing? Surprised. How are you doing, Michael?
1: Uh, Well, uh, uh, I can say that it's an interesting time to be in Greece, uh, with a lot of political and economic developments going on on a daily basis. And uh, the unfortunate thing, at least from my point of view, is that uh, almost four months uh, to the day since the uh, new government that is led by Syriza has come to power, uh, not only have not have most of uh, Syriza's uh, pre-election promises not materialized, but uh, indeed one could say that they've actively backtracked on most of those promises.
0: Okay. Now, could you just bring us up to date on the uh, name of the new prime prime minister in Greece? Of course, the new prime minister
1: is uh, Alexis Tsipras.
0: Okay. And then you have a finance minister who's made the news quite a few times over the last couple of months.
1: Uh, yes, the finance minister is uh, Yanis uh, Varoufakis, and he was actually in the United States until recently. He was a uh, visiting uh, scholar at the University of Texas at Austin until a few months ago.
0: Okay, you know, we we are watching Greece. I am watching Greece, and I have made some announcements, and of course we've listened in to some of the interviews that have been done on Radio Dialogos, and uh, the promises that were made, Um, you know, resonated with the population of Greece because uh, the new administration came in with a very high level of support. But the European Union and the central bank and I guess certain members of the European Union have really put the pressure on Greece and making it very difficult and impossible for them to fulfill the promises that they made prior to their election. Is that correct? Well, that is to an extent as far as the pressure goes from the
1: IMF and the European Union, the European Commission, the European Central Bank, the German government. Uh, all of these are collectively known now as the institutions. They were known as the Troika until, uh, until the elections, or until rather the Eurogroup Summit that uh, took place in February. Uh, but I think it's only part of the story because uh, from day one, uh, on the part of the Greek government, they went in to these meetings and these negotiations, these so-called negotiations with the uh, with these institutions, uh, saying very different things from what they had been telling the uh, voters prior to the elections. And I think this was uh, evident from the fact that uh, Varoufakis, the finance minister, went into the Eurogroup Summit in uh, uh, February proposing to continue 70 percent of the uh, memorandum agreements and austerity measures that had been agreed upon in two thousand and twelve by an unelected government that was led by uh by a technocrat who was a former member of Greece's central bank and the European central bank. So that was the first move on the part of the Greek government in these negotiations. Uh, but of course, even 70% austerity wasn't enough for uh, the Germans and for the European Union. They wanted 100% austerity, and that's what Varoufakis and Tsipras ended up agreeing to uh, on February 20th and the 21st. And this was a four-month agreement, and this agreement of course is uh, about ready to expire in another month from now and that's why these new negotiations have been taking place all this time uh, to supposedly at least put together a new program for Greece uh, going forward but there's been no indications from the Greek government that As part of these uh, negotiations, they are playing their strongest hands, meaning uh, calling for a write-down of the debt or a stoppage of payments uh, on Greece's debt. Uh, In fact, the Greek government has repeatedly said the opposite. Varoufakis and Tsipras and other government ministers have repeatedly stated again and again that uh, Greece's debt will be repaid in full. Uh, to the IMF and the European Central Bank and the other lenders. Uh, so they haven't been going in threatening uh, or even asking for some sort of uh, negotiation uh, or, or some sort of uh, stoppage of payments of the debt. Uh, at the same time, the biggest card that one could argue Greece has, meaning uh, the so-called grexit, a threat of leaving the Eurozone, is absolutely off-limits as, as far as this government is concerned. And in fact, they were even saying this before the election. It was no secret Except from people that just wanted to to uh, sort of just make things up about up uh, but it was it was an open secret that they were pro Euro and they continue to be pro Euro. And a lot of economists, including some that have interviewed on the Alwus Radio, make the argument that by by having such uh, an insistence on, on wanting to remain within the eurozone uh... that basically means austerity because you have to abide by the eurozone's rules which include the maintenance of a primary budget surplus uh, which includes uh, all of the other rules that the, uh, the European Union had regarding a uh, country's debts and deficits. And, of course, you don't have your own currency. You have a very strong currency, the euro, uh, whose uh, the, mo- the monetary policy is uh, being determined not by Greece or any of the individual member states, uh, but by the European Central Bank in Frankfurt. So all of these add up for many economists uh, to an equation that means Austerity. No matter what the nature of the agreement might be between Greece and, and uh, the institutions, as long as Greece remains within the euro, uh, it will remain bound to an austerity regime of some kind. And, and Syriza has shown no negotiations either before the elections or now uh in terms of uh ask uh, of calling for a Grexit. At, at the very least that's a negotiation tactic to put pressure on the institutions. They haven't even done that, even if they don't actually mean it. Of course there's rumors constantly that Greece might be forced out of the out of the Eurozone, might be forced out of the Euro, but those rumors have to do more with the circumstances in which this would be more of an involuntary thing for Greece rather than the government actually uh, making this move on its own.
0: Do you think that um, the Varoufakis and Sedras, do you think that they um, actually knew all along that they were simply making promises that they would not keep and that they favor uh continued participation in the uh, in the European Union or do you think that they really would um stand up to the pressures that are being brought against them and be willing to uh step out of the union
1: well that's a good question and uh, and i think it's uh There's an interesting answer to this, at least from my point of view, again. Syriza is a coalition of various uh, other factions, left-wing and and even more centrist factions. Uh, It wasn't a unified political party until a few years ago. So even within Syriza and even now, there's uh, differing points of view. Uh, So there's surely people within Syriza, even if they're in the minority right now, Uh, that uh, probably genuinely wanted to to go in after the elections and make the changes that were being promised. Uh, I don't think, however, that Tsipras and Varoufakis and some of the other high-level government ministers are among that group. Varoufakis isn't even actually a member of he He's invited by Tsipras. Uh, to join Syriza's cabinet as finance minister, but he had no background with Syriza prior to the elections in any official capacity. He did, however, have a background with Basok, which was uh, the Socialist Party that ruled Greece for much of the uh, 40-year period after the fall of Greece's military dictatorship in 73-74. Uh, he, Varoufakis, uh, used to be an advisor to the former and American-born uh, Prime Minister George Papandreou, and uh, he resigned from that position in 2006, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And he's not the only one that has a PASOK background. Twelve government ministers out of the 40 in Cyprus's uh, cabinet. Uh, uh, were members in in some cases even high level members of Basook um, at one time and not not too long ago in fact, some of them right before uh, some of them up to a couple of years ago and this is important because Basok is the government uh, is the party which was in power when Greece was led uh, under the uh, the uh, purview of the IMF in 2010, and when the first memorandum agreement was signed, and when the first austerity measures started being enforced, and they were the. Uh, the, the, the party that was in power for many of the years before that and who are arguably responsible for some of the most significant things which led Greece into the economic crisis in the first place. Uh, PASOK was in power when Greece joined officially the Eurozone in 2002. Uh, PASOK was in power all of the years before that in, in, in terms of the lead-up for Greece to uh, apply for and become a member of the Eurozone and some of these people, even if they weren't necessarily government ministers at the time of Basok, they had they were advisors, they had some sort of role within the party, and now they all jumped ship. They migrated over to Syriza. Basak is basically dead in the water. They received 4% in uh, the uh, January elections. This is a power of the, a party that won with uh, 45% of the vote uh, not too long ago in uh, 2009. So it's a, been a total fall from grace, but some of its personnel have made it into Syriza. And, and I really think to 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 wrap this up and to get back to your question, that these people had no intention of actually fulfilling the promises that were being made before the elections. I think they wanted to continue business as, as usual. they had strong linkages with the European institutions. They certainly were looking at things from a pro-Euro framework and continue to do so. So I think in terms of these high-level people, uh, whether or not they were formerly officially pasok members, I think Tsipras and Varoufakis and all of these high-level officials uh, just said what needed to be said, and uh, they came in and started following a different uh, MO
0: once he were in power. Yeah. You know what? You see, the way some of us were looking at things from this vantage point, from our position, without a lot of the technicalities that you are in a position to deliver, you know, they see us in the United States as being under the control, if you will, economically, of the Federal Reserve System, all Institutions are in place, austerity rules the roost, Uh, the little guy, the wage earner, the working class people always bear the brunt of any financial uh, downgrades, any uh, uh, catastrophic uh, traumatic uh, economic experiences. And when we looked at Greece and we saw what appeared to be a resistance to the central bank, to that effort to control fully and completely uh, monetary flows and to control, if you will, terms and conditions of people's employment of their lives, and we saw a a, a resistance coming uh, from um, potential uh, rulers who ended up getting into office by a huge margin. Uh, we saw that as a as a form of rejection that could spread and might even supply the impetus to us. It, I think. That apparent uh, uh, effort was seen by Portugal, by Ireland, by France, by other European countries as perhaps signaling the beginning of something that could be traumatic and could result in power moving back into the various independent countries. And maybe maybe that is desirable as opposed to having this centralized control. Or maybe centralized control is inevitable. And maybe there is no alternative that TINA, T-I-N-A. I don't know. That's what I'm wondering.
1: Well. I think that there was definitely a lot of hope uh, in many other European countries that have been experiencing a similar economic crisis as Greece uh, when Syriza came to power precisely because of the promises that were being made. And I should mention that these were promises that Syriza had already somewhat watered down compared to its rhetoric uh, even a year ago or a couple of years ago, uh, prior to the 2012 elections, for instance, which they narrowly lost. Uh, but nevertheless, even what they were saying a few months ago before the January elections gave hope to a lot of people in Spain and Portugal mm-hmm. and other countries that if Syriza came to power, it could usher in a, a new era for uh, for the people all across Europe, and right. that it could sort of lead to a domino effect That's, where yeah. uh, countries like Spain, which are going to have elections in a few months, yep. uh, will be able to bring in uh, their own uh, governments that would also uh, follow as lead and reject disparity and reject uh, all of the policies that have led those countries into the severe economic crisis that they're experiencing. I think there's some people that are still hanging on to this hope, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, just that my observation is, being here in Greece all this time and following everything that the government is doing, there's no indication of what CDIs is actually doing now that it's in power. Um, has anything to do uh, with what they were promising? I mean, yeah. there's still t- there's still rhetoric uh, that they come out with every so often. that sounds good, and it uh, it, it uh, they're saying the right things uh, for a lot of people. But uh, if we if we judge them by actions and yeah. not words and yeah. not promises, yeah. the actions so far have been telling a different story. And I think increasingly, people both with uh, both in inside of Greece and outside of Greece as well, have uh, started to become more and more concerned about what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a sentiment uh... after the elections even after the year group agreement that uh... we should give them some time that they weren't prepared to go immediately into these uh... harsh negotiations with the institutions uh... that they, that's why they came up with the temporary uh... agreement until they could uh, sort of get themselves together and and um and negotiate something that would be better for the country. So there were people willing to to give them time. There's still some people that are willing to give them more time, but my sense is that uh, it's not as many people now as it was even a month or two ago. I think more more and more people are, are becoming disenchanted or they're getting concerned. And, of course, this is not to to take any blame away from the institutions. Uh, but I think a lot of people that have been following what has been happening in Europe these past few years would have expected that uh, the institutions, the IMF, the European Central Bank, the, uh, the German government and so forth, would have uh, maintained their hard stance. This is exactly what they were doing with the previous government. There was no reason why they would suddenly soften up mm-hmm. uh, now that Siriza came into power. And this should have been something that's t- I expected, at the very least, they were the main opposition party for two and a half years. Uh, certainly they knew what the previous government was doing in terms of its dealings with the uh, institutions and, and how the Europeans were uh, responding and the sorts of demands that they were making towards Greece. Uh, so there was really no reason, realistically, to expect anything different. So no, yeah. um, I, I think the argument that they weren't prepared seems like a cop-out of yeah. sorts. I think that they knew very well what, uh, what to expect. And uh, I think that at at least as far as personnel like Varoufakis and Cyprus are concerned, uh, this was the plan all along. Uh, to say one thing uh, to the Greek public and to uh, do something different when they were in uh in their meetings with the uh, European officials. And and there's nothing that has happened since then Mm -hmm. that has uh, changed Mm -hmm. in terms of concrete uh, actions.
0: You know, I have to interrupt for just a minute to remind listeners that this is WUSB Stony Brook. But um, it is rather discouraging. I mean, in a sense, uh, that represents our current president, Obama who rhetorically was outstanding in the years prior to his election, but almost from the day he stepped into office, he began to show signs of understanding or having been told exactly how things work.
1: I think that's an excellent comparison. It's one that we hear often. And um, in fact, prior to the election, a series as rhetoric uh, in terms of its campaign ads and the posters that it had put up everywhere s- were so similar to the to what was being seen before the uh, presidential elections in the United States in 2008 with the rhetoric about hope and change. I mean, those words were being used by series as well in its campaign uh, prior to the uh, January election. So there's a lot of comparisons, both in terms of the way that the campaign and what they were promising to the voters before the elections and sort of the way they turned things around after the election. So that's absolutely a valid comparison that can be made. And I think it's also interesting, the thing you brought up, uh, to what extent this was uh, sort of imposed by other powers. And uh, in, in Greece's case, we're talking about uh... a number of different bodies that are not elected and which are not accountable to anyone such as the european commission such as the international monetary fund uh... they don't have to please voters they don't have to go back and to uh be accountable to anyone really and they're the ones that have been uh calling the shots in uh, in a lot of different ways in Greece over the past 5 years and that hasn't changed at all in the past few months they're still the ones that are making demands of the new government and uh, there, there was no reason, and there is no reason to believe that these demands are going to stop anytime soon. It's the way that they operate. Anyone that has studied what the IMF has done in other countries across the world, in Latin America and Asia and Africa and elsewhere, would understand that this is what they do. Uh, they have a certain uh, uh, set of policies that they impose on countries and on governments, And uh, until something happens in those countries, whether it's uh, some sort of a revolution or violence in the streets or some government finally coming in that actually uh, promises change and then actually uh, follows up on this and actually uh, fulfills those promises, then what the IMF and these institutions are demanding just continues and continues and continues. And that's what's been happening in Greece.
0: Well, you know, we had our um, popular upheaval, if you will, in the form of Occupy two years ago. And uh, that was quite an interesting movement to be part of. I don't know if you were here in this country when that took place. But there were massive marches in New York City and and in 2,500 different places around the United States. But the city marches, which I was part of, and many, many other people from our region were part of, I mean, when they moved into the cavernous streets of New York by the thousands and just howled, I had the impression that the buildings were gonna shudder and come down. But, you know, that movement, as powerful as it was for that short period of time, was successfully controlled. And we just did a piece with Chris Hedges and Robert Scheer pointing out how the surveillance state was capable afterwards to go back and look at its files, photographic files, and and be able to bring charges against those who were leaders, in effect silencing them by threatening them with prison time if they didn't behave on their parole, see? So when these things do occur and they present such a hopeful atmosphere, the system made up of those institutions that we're all so familiar with, they come together and they provide a very strong response that maintains the status quo. And I was expecting to hear so much more about Greece, that great inspiration, and yet you seem to indicate to me that things are not too different in the land where you presently are.
1: Not very different at all. And uh, since you mentioned Occupy, the Occupy protests, uh, which sprung up in New York and uh, all those other cities in the United States, uh, came just a few months after a huge wave of protests sprung up in Spain and in Greece. I in remember there. I remember. That. Uh, and I happened to be in Greece uh, in 2011 when these first protests began, and it was in the main square in Athens outside of the uh, Parliament building. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were protests that, at their largest, had uh, an estimated amount of people uh, surpassing a million uh, on the streets in a country of 11 million. So you you can understand how significant that was back then. And I think for a time, uh, there was a lot of optimism that this was going to lead to a fundamentally different uh, change for the country. Mm -hmm. Um, What happened however, in Greece and in Spain as well, and in the other countries where there were similar movements back then uh was a coordinated uh response of the authorities uh they broke up the encampments they broke up the uh the protests so they sent in uh provocateurs to start causing trouble and that of course gave an excuse to riot police to then come in and start uh dispersing uh, tear gas freely which of course was enough to get everyone running and broke up the uh the protests. Uh that's what happened in Greece in the summer of two thousand and eleven and it was just a few months before Occupy started up in the States. Now what should be mentioned here is that after that the permanent sort of base in the main square at Constitution Square or Sindagma Square in Athens was broken up Uh, and for a few months there wasn't any sort of real protesting going on. Uh, but by the time the, toward the end of 2011, the PASOK government, the so-called socialist government, fell. And that new government came in, the one that I mentioned before, that was unelected with a technocrat as prime minister. And this, uh, Unelected government began negotiating the second memorandum agreement with the institution. So we're talking about a government that had no legitimacy, and they were the ones that were just negotiating this major uh, agreement with the IMF and the European Union and the European Central Bank. So in February of 2012, when the, when this was going on, uh, those huge protests came back to Athens, and by that point. Uh, the uh, police forces and the authorities were ready. You could say that they were probably expecting it. And they responded almost immediately with lots of violence, lots of tear gas, lots of arrests. There were journalists who were injured, who lost their hearing when uh, when um, tear gas canisters exploded near them. Uh, all sorts of violent and, and very nasty things happened, and these protests didn't last more than a couple of days. And, of course, the new memorandum agreements with the IMF and the European Union were signed. So. What I'm getting at, however, is that since then, this was over three years ago, February of 2012, there haven't been any real mass protests in Greece. I mean, every so often you get some marches. Uh, you might get 10 or 15,000 people outside of the parliament maybe once every few months for some sort of specific cause. But there's been nothing else going on since then. I think a lot of people either resigned themselves to, to, to their fates in the sense that there was a feeling that if they went out to protest again, they would just be met with more violence, uh, or that their protests wouldn't really make a difference. I think some people decided that they could try operating in a different way. There's a lot of grassroots groups in Athens and throughout Greece. And I think at some point people just decided to wait and to try to change things through the elections. And that's where Syriza comes in. Yes. They almost won in, in May and June of 2012. They were the first place party in the European parliamentary elections in Greece last May. In fact, it was almost exactly a year ago to this date. Uh, that those elections were held, and of course they finally did win the elections uh this past January for uh, the Greek parliament, so I think a lot of people ended up just hoping that they would be able to change things with their vote uh rather than taking to the streets
0: well, I think you're right michael um and um I think, too, we have to uh, eye the end of our conversation, only because if we were to continue too long, we would be interfering with Radio De Lagos, which is coming up <laughs> at one thirty, And I understand that the program will be uh, going through a shift here at, at WUSB. Uh, can you comment just for a few moments on that? And then I think we'll have to say goodbye.
1: Uh, absolutely. I was actually informed by uh, the programming team at WSB that uh, with the summer schedule that will soon be uh, uh, put into effect, uh, the Alagos radio will be switching times and will be heard beginning in the first week of June. I believe the first air date will be uh, June 5th. Uh, uh, it will air on Fridays. Uh, from 12 to 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be beginning uh, June 5th according to the information that I've received from uh, station management. So mm-hmm. Friday, June 5th, 12 p.m. Uh, will be the first uh, broadcast uh, in that new time slot. Until then it will continue to broadcast at its current uh, time slot which is coming up in a few minutes very, very on uh, WUSB. I will mention that today uh, there's actually going to be a repeat that's airing. Uh, since uh, the uh, small but dedicated Lealegos radio team wasn't able to put together a new program for this week. But next week we will have an interesting interview uh, concerning some economic scandals mm-hmm. uh, that uh, have uh, led to strong allegations with regards to how Greece was put under IMF and uh, and, uh uh, troika oversight in the first place back in 2009. Uh, basically, uh, we will be talking with a whistleblower by the name of Nikos Logothetis who was the former vice president of the Greek Statistical Authority. And he, along with some other members of the uh, Greek Statistical Authority, made allegations that Greece's economic figures were falsified not to seem better than they were, but to actually seem worse than they were, uh, to provide the political and economic impetus uh, to justify Greece uh, going under the watch of the uh, Troika and uh, having all of these austerity measures imposed. So that will be coming up next week. And the week after, or two weeks after that, depending on how the schedule plays out, we will also have an interview that will probably be of interest to your listeners as well, uh, with uh, Tarika Lee. Uh, so that will be coming up, and that might actually be end up being the first broadcast in the new time slot. So that's what's coming up in the next couple of weeks on the program.
0: Okay, Michael, look, thanks. It's been very nice talking with you, and I, when, when this new change goes into effect, uh, I will miss... Being the one to present Radio Dialogos, uh, maybe it will come back when the summer schedule is over. Uh, I will look forward to that. But it's been good talking to you, and I wish you success as you continue your studies, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
1: Well, thank you very much, Bill, for having me, and uh, I'd be happy to come back on any time to talk about new developments.
0: Okay, fine, Michael. Thank you, and the best of luck to you. Huh? Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye.